Welcome back to Cherry Avenue True Crime Podcast. Thank you for listening. I want to say thank you so much for your reviews and the interaction on social media. You guys are the best. Also, please check out Patreon for some updated rewards. We now have pins and stickers starting at Tier 1. This is a special episode about some unsolved murders involving Jane Doe's. So not only have the murderers never been caught, the victims' identities are unknown. If you are a regular listener, you know we usually go over solved cases and discuss the victim and the perpetrator in detail. Today, I decided to dedicate this episode to the unsolved Jane Doe's as I keep coming across more and more of them in my research. There are some that particularly haunt me, but there are many more out there, sadly. Also, be sure to stay tuned afterwards for the historic portion. I found an incredibly interesting case in the newspaper from 1929 when the body of an unidentified woman was found murdered. The case twists and turns and involves over 5,000 people coming to view the body to try and identify her. Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's thegallery, T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. Before we get into the case of the first Jane Doe, I just wanted to say I'm so impressed with all the online detectives spending time researching and trying to solve the mystery of who those people are. In my research for these cases, I've come across the Web Sleuths, the DoeNetwork.org, and other orgs that compare missing persons pictures to the Jane Doe pictures and use other resources such as yearbooks to try and match them to the drawings of the Doe's. I think it's very admirable. These cases break my heart, and from what I've seen online, there are a lot of people out there who feel the same. There are a lot of tragic cases, people who are missing and never found, and then people who are found dead but never identified. Many were never reported missing. The cases we are talking about in this episode had some clues, so the investigators could at least follow up on those, even if they didn't know who the victim was in the case. However, their cases still went cold, as there wasn't enough to go on. The first one is Walker County, Jane Doe, 1980. On the morning of November 1st, 1980, a truck driver found a nude body off of the Interstate 45, two miles north of Huntsville, Texas. It was a girl between the ages of 14 and 18. Three witnesses said they had seen her alive before her body was discovered. She was asking for directions to the Ellis Prison Farm, saying she was visiting a friend. Her photo was shown to everyone at the prison, but no one claimed to recognize her. She had been murdered the night before on Halloween. She had been found nude with just a necklace on. Red-heeled sandals had been found apparently thrown nearby. She had been beaten badly and was strangled. The method of strangulation was with her own pantyhose, which were found inside her. She had been sexually assaulted with a large, blunt object. 
She was approximately 5'6 and between 105 and 120 pounds. She had medium-length light brown hair and hazel eyes. At the edge of her right eyebrow was a one and a half inch vertical scar. She appeared healthy in weight and her teeth were in good condition. They believe she may have come from a middle-class background. She was wearing a necklace with a thin gold chain and a rectangular pendant with a stone that was smoky blue or brown glass. Her ears were pierced, but she wore no earrings. She had been seen carrying the red sandals, so even though they were not close to the body when found, they knew that they belonged to her. The rest of her clothing was missing. No evidence was found to know if she was conventionally raped. Her lip and right eyelid were swollen, and there were many bruises all over her body. There was also a deep bite on her right shoulder. The witnesses described her as wearing blue jeans, a yellow top, and a white sweater. She had been dropped off at a gas station at 6.30 p.m. October 31st by a white male driving a blue Chevrolet with a light-colored top that was possibly a Caprice 1973 or 74 model. Since this happened in 1980, the car was six or seven years old at that time. The car was driven by a white male, but no further description was provided. At the gas station, Jane Doe had asked for directions to the Texas Department of Corrections Ellis Prison Farm. She then headed down the road on foot and was seen walking north on Sam Houston Avenue. A waitress at the Hitchin Post truck stop along the 45 saw her later that evening, when she again asked directions to the prison. The waitress drew her a map and gave it to her. The girl said she was meeting a friend there. The waitress thought she was maybe a runaway and asked if her parents knew where she was. The girl replied, who cares? The prison that Walker County Jane Doe was asking for directions for was located 14 miles from where her body was found. Time of death was placed for around 3.20 a.m., at the time of her death, she was said to be between 14 and 20. In 1999, her body was exhumed for additional forensic examination, including a DNA sample. This second examination revised her age to be between 14 and 18. DNA testing had been done on the red leather sandals, but the results remain undisclosed. The police department has reached out to the public through TV and online, it is possible she was not intending to visit the prison at all, but was trying to get to a home or business that was near the prison. She may have been giving that as a landmark of sorts. Some people think she may be Kathleen with a C or Kathleen with a K, based on some pictures from 1980 and that she was a runaway from Corpus Christi. The photo came from siblings who met a girl in Texas in 1980 who told them that she was 16 and that she had run away from home. She said she had wanted to see her friend who was in prison. They said that she was staying with a couple in the motel who they described as different. I've seen the drawing of Walker County Jane Doe and the photo of Kathleen, and I'll post both of those on social media. I really don't think that Jane Doe looks much like the photo of Kathleen, but who knows? They do the best they can with these drawings, and different photos of the same person can also look different. The story is very similar, though, and matches up with what Jane Doe told the people at the restaurant and the gas station. Jane Doe's dental records and fingerprints have been uploaded to national databases, and DNA samples have been processed. No matches as of yet. Those with information regarding the identity of Jane Doe are being asked to call either the Walker County Sheriff's Office at 936 435 
800-346-2400, the Texas Department of Public Safety at 800-346-3243, or the Harris County Institute of Forensic Sciences at 713-796-6827. Arroyo Grande Jane Doe, another poor girl, young woman, was found along a highway earlier that same year. It was October 5th, 1980 in Henderson, Nevada. Two brothers driving on a dirt road found her just south of State 146 near the Arroyo Grande Wash. One of the brothers was an off-duty policeman. She was placed at between 13 and 25 years of age, but was most likely 17 to 18 years old. She had shoulder-length brownish-blonde hair. She was around 5'2 and weighed between 98 and 110 pounds. She was found nude and laying face down. There was blunt force trauma to the back of her head with multiple wounds. There were signs of injury to her face. She was stabbed multiple times on her upper back. These were puncture-type stab wounds from a two-pronged weapon with prongs approximately three inches long. One of her lower teeth was knocked out in the attack. Her body seems to have been washed before she was dumped, and a piece of yellow or orange shower curtain was found nearby. The location where she was found was definitely a dump site and not where she was murdered. She had dental fillings in some of her teeth, which of course indicated that she had seen a dentist. She also had some type of suture procedure to straighten one of her teeth, and it is possible she had a fractured jaw at some point. Her eyes could have been hazel, blue, or green. Sources differ. She had a crudely done homemade tattoo of an S in the blue on the inside of her right forearm. The tattoo appeared to be relatively new, and she had silver nail polish on her fingernails. There was a vaccination scar on her left bicep, and she had a birthmark on her lower back. Time of death was the day before her body was discovered, October 4, 1980. The police officer who found her donated money to her burial, and visits her burial site with his wife and brings her flowers. There has been an extensive effort to identify Arroyo Jane Doe. Her fingerprints were taken and her dental records recorded, but no match could be found. Like our previous Jane Doe, her body was exhumed to obtain DNA, and the DNA was put into the national databases. Her case has also been featured on many TV shows, but she still has not been identified yet. At least 20 missing people have been ruled out as matches. Her headstone reads, Jane Doe, October 5, 1980. From your family at the Henderson Police Department. Henderson Police Department phone number is 702-267-5000 for any tips on this case. The next one is Harris County Jane and John Doe. Harris County Jane and John Doe, 1981. January 12, 1981, the bodies of a young man and woman were found in a wooded area near Wallaceville Road in Houston, Texas. Both had been murdered and had been dead for several weeks before they were discovered. Their profiles list them as white, but they both appear to be Hispanic or Native American in the composite pictures. JusticeForNativeWomen.com says that Jane Doe is said to be white with possible Native American admixture. John Doe had brown wavy hair and large eyebrows. In the composite picture, it appears he has a unibrow, 
but in the profile it is just listed as large eyebrows. He was aged between 16 and 30 and had osteoarthritis from a prior injury to the cervical vertebrae. He had died as a result of a vicious beating and had been found bound and gagged. Jane Doe was aged 15 to 25. She had long brown hair and a ponytail, brown eyes, a pair of green shorts and a bloody towel were found near her body. There was no other clothing. Her cause of death was strangulation. There is speculation online that there could be two different killers because of two different causes of death. However, if the prime motive was the sexual assault of the girl, then it is possible it was the same killer. He would have neutralized the man in hitting and then bounding and gagging him, and then a possible sexual assault, as she was found nude, and then strangulation of the woman. There is nothing confirming that she was sexually assaulted, just that she had been found with no clothing. The DNA was taken from both of them. Hopefully, someday soon, they will be identified. You can contact Harris County Sheriff's Department at 713-796-6827 with any tips. Let me know if you have any Jane Doe cases you would like to hear featured in a future episode. You can contact me through social media or email me at host at cherryavenuetruecrime.com. Stay tuned for the historic case portion. This article is the one that I found that just, I had to read this. Based on this headline of this first article, I had to read it. It just became more and more interesting the further I looked up what this case was all about. And I wanted to know what happened before and what happened after. Uh, so we have several articles on this unidentified woman who was found dead in 1929 in Marked Tree, Arkansas. The headline is, Attempt is Made to Steal Body of Unidentified Woman Found Dead. And this is December 28, 1929, Mark Tree, Arkansas. Sheriff E.H. Landers tonight was seeking two men believed to have attempted to steal the corpus delecti of the Mark Tree murder mystery. An apparent effort to carry away the body of an unidentified woman found murdered on a highway near here December 12th was made shortly after midnight this morning by two men in a truck, Sheriff Landers revealed. Sheriff Landers tonight was following a new line of investigation. Those who know the woman are anxious that her identity pass into oblivion. Two men went to a local undertaking establishment where more than 3,000 people have viewed the body after midnight this morning and asked to see the body, Charles Ramsey, an attendant, told the sheriff. Ramsey's suspicions were aroused when the men insisted on his going into the morgue with them alone and one of them pretended to become suddenly ill begging Ramsey to go for a doctor. When Ramsey refused and suggested that his companion go for the doctor, the man's health apparently returned to normal immediately, he said. Ramsey told Sheriff Landers that he followed the men to the street and saw them board a truck bearing a high-tie Missouri city license tag. The attendant ran to notify officers of the incident and returned to the undertaking establishment just in time to see the truck pass again, this time followed closely by an automobile. Half an hour later, he said, the same truck stopped in front of the undertaking establishment but drove on when the occupants saw him. Sheriff Landers will make inquiries in Hightai in an effort to locate the two men. The woman's body will be buried January 1st unless it is identified before that time, 
Sheriff Landers said today. The body was found on the roadside near Mark Tree, December 12th, riddled with bullets and battered with a blunt instrument. On December 30th, 1929, the Montgomery Advisor in Montgomery, Alabama, posts this one. New clue found in Mark Tree murder mystery. Mark Tree, Arkansas, December 29th, 1929. After following warm but wrong trails in five states, authorities here tonight turned to faraway California for solution of the Mark Tree murder mystery following discovery of a bloody hat and a pistol. Sheriff A.H. Landers believed the pistol was used to kill the woman whose body was found near here 17 days ago, lies unidentified in a funeral parlor, although thousands have viewed it. The hammer of the pistol had been torn away, bloody and matted with hair. Sheriff Landers said the hammer fits the pistol found on a bridge near here. The hat was tied to the pistol. It, too, was matted with blood and hair. Inside the hat remained the part of the dealer's label, which bore the single word, California. This is the best clue I have had, the sheriff said, and I am headed somewhere. There is no need to ask me where, for I won't tell you, but I expect an arrest within 48 hours. The hat and pistol were found by an unidentified man who turned them over to officers. Sheriff Landers believed the killer or killers attempted to throw the articles into the stream as their automobiles sped over the bridge. The hat corresponds to other clothing the woman wore. She wore an expensive brown coat and brown shoes. One of the shoes was found in a road several hundred yards from the body. Sheriff Landers said he was convinced that several persons had viewed the body who know the woman but would not identify her for good reasons. The new turn of case closely followed what Landers described as an attempt to steal the body, the corpus delecti. A truck bearing a high-tie Missouri license backed up to the undertaking establishment early yesterday, and Landers said he learned two men acted strangely. He was convinced they were trying to sneak away the body. He would not say if he were going to high-tie to investigate this angle. The body was found in a clump of bushes by two farmers 17 days ago. The woman had been killed by blows on the head and by three shots fired into her back. Several days later, Horace Klutz of Memphis identified the body as his wife's, and the police established an elaborate, elaborate murder theory that involved a beer-running gang in Chicago and a Memphis man. The theory exploded, however, when Mrs. Klutz, very much alive, was found in Blue Diamond, Kentucky. Okay, the next article, it goes, we skip over to March 21st, 1930. It tells about who went to jail for this, who was uh, life imprisonment is the penalty decided upon at Harrisburg, Arkansas. But it also goes over the entire timeline of this mystery. And at the end, we find out they're not even, it doesn't even appear that they were 100% sure that this woman, was it, who, who it is finally identified as being, really is. So uh, not sure if she really is still a Jane Doe or if she really is identified as in this article. So let's let's go ahead to that one. This is a headline, Walker Guilty in Mark Tree Murder Case. Life imprisonment is the penalty decided upon at Harrisburg, Arkansas. And this is the Sedalia Democrat in Sedalia, Missouri, the 21st of March, 1930. Harrisburg, Arkansas. Twelve weary jurors Saturday night solved the Mark Tree murder mystery by finding Willis Walker of Wynn, Arkansas, guilty of the murder of Mrs. Lena Waugh Gamble Walsh. Whole last name. Mrs. Lena Waugh Gamble Walsh and fixing his punishment at life imprisonment. The verdict was returned after the jury deliberated only 55 minutes. Walker's counsel announced the case would be appealed. The state charged Walker killed Mrs. Walsh the night of December 11th in Poinsettia County. 
cramped her body in a clump of bushes and fled in her automobile to Arizona. The defense argued that the state had not proved even that the body found December 12th and identified more than 40 days later as Mrs. Walsh was really hers. Before Mrs. Walsh's parents identified the body, it had been claimed by three other families, but the three earlier identifications proved faulty when the woman was found alive, when the women were found alive. Three other families have claimed the body, and all three were proved incorrect because the other women were found alive. So the defense is saying here that they're not even sure and that they, nobody can really be sure that this is actually Mrs. Walsh. When two farmers stumbled upon the mutilated body of a once pretty woman cramped in a clump of bushes far off the beaten path last December 12th, they opened the Mark Tree murder mystery or the perplexing case of Lena Waugh. The body was four times incorrectly identified in the weeks that followed the discovery and a fascinating murder trial that led from the village of Mark Tree, where life unfolds itself gently and without excitement, north to Chicago's teeming gangland, south to Memphis, east to Kentucky's mountains, south again to Birmingham, and a Mississippi village, and then across the broad sunset to Phoenix, Arizona, was pursued by the state of Arkansas. More than 5,000 persons from virtually every state in the Union viewed the body and police in Memphis, Chicago, Little Rock, Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Birmingham, and sheriffs of half a dozen states in addition to Department of Justice agents who took part in the strange hunt. It was an automobile that led to Walker's arrest. Chronological outline of the case follows. December 12th, body of an unidentified woman, about 100 yards off the Mark Tree Highway, was found. There were four bullet holes in the back and side. Her head had been battered and she had been dragged a long distance. Her clothes were tasty. I don't know why it says that. It literally says her clothes were tasty. I'm pretty sure that's a misprint. Doctors said she had been dead about 12 hours. December 13th, Sheriff Landers found a muddy tan slipper on the highway that matched the woman's other slipper and a restaurant proprietor at Mark Tree said she had seen the woman with a man in gray in a coupe the day before. December 14th, Herman T. Klutz, Memphis, identified the body as that of his wife who had gone to Chicago a few months before and who had notified him she would return in time to spend Christmas with you and the babies. Chicago police reported Mrs. Klutz left Chicago December 5th with William Thomas, bus driver. They advanced the theory Mrs. Klutz was involved with the Chicago gang and had been taken for a ride because she knew too much. A search for Thomas has, was begun. December 15th, Klutz made arrangements to take the body to Potts Camp, Mississippi for burial in a family plot. A newspaperman, a bit skeptical at the identification, learned the body had perfect teeth while Mrs. Klutz had said, while Klutz had said his wife had some bridges. Klutz received a letter from his wife posted in southern Illinois after the body was found. Police believed her killer had mailed the letter as a blind. December 16th, identification exploded when a Memphis dentist examined the teeth and said it is not Mrs. Klutz. Klutz received a letter from his wife posted at Blue Diamond, Kentucky, saying she would be home for Christmas. December 17th, body identified as that of Mrs. Elsie Mitchell Robertson of Memphis, but Mrs. Robertson was found alive later that night in Birmingham. December 18th, J.M. Lewis, well-to-do planter of Clark's Corners, arrested on information of Paul Rogers that he was with the slain woman the night of December 11th. Rogers was held as a material witness. 
December 19th, Lewis's wife says warrant against her husband charging murder. Ridiculous. He is released on his own recognizance. December 20th, Mrs. James Carter brought to Memphis and questioned. Sheriff Landers believed she knew the slain woman and refused to identify her. She and Rogers released. December 21st, search for E.M. Robertson, former Memphis policeman, who authorities believe could identify the body, started. December 21st, H.L. Fortenberry of Blithville identified body as his daughter's, Mrs. Thelma Howard, missing a year. Search begun for T.H. Hooker, with whom she was seen in Helena several nights before. The Associated Press located Mrs. Howard, who had since been married, to Hooker in Philadelphia. Miss Laws was dismissed. December 28th, two men in a truck bearing Hightai, Missouri license tried to steal the body from an undertaking establishment at Marked Tree. December 29th, a 38 caliber pistol with the hammer broken and a blood-stained turban found under a bridge. Landers said the hammer to the pistol was found caught on the sleeve of the woman's overcoat. The pistol was matted with hair. December 30th, Arthur M. Baxter, 34, peddler of Jonesboro, arrested a suspected slayer body positively identified by Jonesboro police officers as Baxter's estranged wife. December 31st, police learned Baxter was in Paragold a day after the slaying and told conflicting stories. January 2nd, Baxter freed when witnesses failed to identify him. January 3rd, Sheriff Landers feared case would never be solved, but decided to carry on, refused to bury body. January 4th, Mr. and Mrs. J.J. Waugh identified body as their daughters, Mrs. Lena Waugh Gamble Walsh, missing from Little Rock. January 5th, turban found under bridge traced to Los Angeles, and police there began search. Officers learned Mrs. Waugh Gamble Walsh bought a new, new automobile in Little Rock December 3rd. Salesmen identified the body, and Waugh cl- family claimed it. Newspaper men learned Mrs. Waugh was hosiery salesman and made good income. Sheriff Landers starts Mission of Mystery. January 6th, Sheriff Landers announces he wants Willis Walker reported in custody in Dallas on charge of violation of Dyer Act. Landers said he learned Walker was friend of Mrs. Waugh and that he was in Mark Tree about midnight of December 12th. January 7th, Sheriff Landers learns Walker had been in jail at Phoenix since December 31st on a Dyer Act charge. He waived extradition to Arkansas. Admitted Carr was Mrs. Walsh's, but denied he killed her. He said he left Mrs. Walsh in Mark Tree alive on the night of December 11th. January 17th, Walker waived preliminary hearing in Harrisburg. January 17th, Willis Davis, Walker's attorney, said he would prove the body was not Mrs. Walsh. January 21st, body buried as Mrs. Walsh near Batesville. So that wraps up the historical portion an interesting case I found in the newspapers.com in the Sedalia Democrat, the Montgomery Advisor, both um, in 1929 and 1930 newspaper articles. The other sources for this episode today were missingpersonsofamerica.com, the doenetwork.org, Wikipedia, Reddit, Web Sleuths. Wikipedia.org slash wiki slash Walker County Jane Doe. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be safe. Take care.